Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jam. We have talked about baking soda, also known as sodium bicarbonate, many times before. That's right. Yeah, we have. And today we're going to talk about how I maybe, I mean, I didn't misrepresent, but how there's a gray area to baking soda. Interesting. Even though it's white. Huh. <laughs> Usually we talk about it as a base, you know, uh-huh. it's like a base and it'll react with an acid to produce carbon dioxide and water. Right. That's the volcano reaction. That's why cakes are fluffy. Right. There's even a derivative of um, that carbonate in our sparkling water that makes your beverages carbonated. Right. Yeah. So we have a lot of... I've had a lot of conversations around this, but we have not explored one little area of baking soda. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. And I'm pretty hype about it. (laughs) I love finding chemistry that's like, oh, this is an everyday life thing, but here's a subtlety that we haven't looked at before. Yeah. 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 So what we're going to talk about, I guess our listeners already know because they can see the (laughs) title, but you don't yet. I don't know. Yesterday, we had like a weird smell in my fridge and my husband put a little bowl of baking soda in there to neutralize or trap, quote unquote, neutralize or quote unquote, trap the odors. Right. Have you heard that before? I have. And we have a thing of baking soda in our fridge right now. Okay. For that exact reason. Do you, do you think it works? Uh, you know, I don't know if it does or not. Do you have questions about how it might work? Yeah, I guess so. I've also (laughs) wondered like how long could, you know, one amount of baking soda stay in the fridge and keep doing its thing before you'd need a different Mm -hmm. kind. Because like we have some in there right now. I'm not sure how long we put it in there. I'm like, is it still helping or should I change it out? Or did I just like stir it up or something? You know, I don't know. Maybe stir it up. Yeah, that's a good question. We can explore that at the end once we've talked about what's happening with it. But I know that like even baking soda companies or whatever on the package, it even says things like if you're going to put this in your fridge, you can do this and that and this. Uh huh. And so it's like they know that that's a way people use it. But even then, it's actually not really described how it works. Of course, it's just they're assuming that you might want to try that. So I feel like <laughs> it's one of those tricks that we've all just kind of accepted that we think it works. Mm-hmm. And so we just do it. Well, it probably does work. Okay. He was like, oh, no, I'm about to get trapped. (laughs) So I was like, man, we just, that's just been sitting there doing nothing. (laughs) Just placebo effect. But also it seems like that wouldn't wouldn't work for a smell because you'd know if it's gone or not. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you just like actually have a really clean fridge and you're just assuming it's helping. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing. We've always talked about baking soda acting as a base before. Right. And, you know, when you put it with an acid like vinegar, it does the bubbling thing. And so we're like, ah, baking soda is a base. It has a pH that's in the basic range. It's basic. Yeah. But there is kind of a gray area around this where it's not always a base. Hmm. And we don't really talk about this a lot, I feel like, in our conversations or even really in classes. Like in classes even, I think baking soda is still kind of considered a base. And it's also called sodium bicarbonate if it's paired with sodium um, or sometimes just uh, bicarbonate or hydrogen by hydrogen carbonate. Those are all options mm. that it could be called. So we don't really talk about this gray area very much. 
but we're going to talk about it today. Okay. But to talk about it, I think we have to go all the way down to the subatomic level and think about the structure of atoms. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So most atoms consist of three major parts. Do you know what they are? Listeners at home, see if you can get them too. Protons. Yep. Neutrons. Those are together. Okay. Right. Up together. I think so. Yeah. And then the electrons are is a sort of field around. Like a cloud. Like a cloud. Yeah. It's more like a, there's a high probability of the electrons being in this area, you know? So right. we, it's sort of like a, an area where they mostly hang out. Right. But just like clouds, there's a lot of empty space too. Were those the three parts you were looking for? Those were the three parts I was okay. looking for. But now I want to know if you know the charge on all those things. Neutron, uh, neutral. Nice. Proton, positive. Yep. Electron, negative. My middle school chemistry science person, <laughs> teacher, Mr. Wise, would be pretty glad because I think that's probably the first <laughs> that I remember learning that stuff. Thanks, Mr. Wise. Is that, I'm going to assume that's correct. That hasn't changed, right? Yeah, no, since, that hasn't changed. Mm-mm. Since whenever that was, early no, yeah, 2000s. yeah, those are still the same. <laughs> okay. I do always take issue that it's like protons, positive, neutrons, and neutral. Why aren't they negatrons? Why are they electrons? Mm. You know? Wow, yeah. Interesting. Or like, I don't know, like neutrons, protons, negative something. Yeah, that is interesting. And the in, in, new, in neutron always tricks me. I'm like... Yeah. I'm like, protons positive, neutrons negative. And then I'm like, wait, no, that's not right. Right, right. But it just rolls off the tongue, you know? So that's always made me a little bit mad. Yeah. Anywho, so that's my little um, side sidebar. <laughs> so most atoms, yes, consist of those three things. The number of neutrons can change. Okay. And the molecules, or the atom, sorry, the atom will still say neutral. And that's called an isotope. So if you've ever heard of isotopes before, mm-hmm. it's... Um, an atom that maybe has different numbering of uh, neutrons present. And so they call that isotope, but it's still considered the same atom. Like Got it. if it has different numbers of neutrons. Okay. Still considered the same atom. And then electrons we talk about all the time. Electrons are like just going crazy. They're interacting with things. They make bonds when they make things attracted to each other. A lot of times where there'll be like excess electrons over here and they, they, yeah, electrons are moving all the time and you can gain and lose electrons and all it does is change the charge of your atom. Right, right. And then protons, I feel like, are kind of the main identity of the atom. So protons, you can't, you can't change the number of protons without changing which atom it would be on, like which element on the periodic table it would be. Right, right. So that's kind of the basics of atoms. Hydrogen is special though. Because hydrogen, do you know why hydrogen is special? Um, I think we talked about it on the episode on baking soda versus versus baking powder, but it, that was a long time ago. I don't know if I know why it's special other than that. I mean, maybe it'll be like, oh, we have thought about that. We should just say it, but I don't know. Hydrogen doesn't have neutrons. Oh. Hydrogen is just a proton and an electron. Weird. Is weird. There's isotopes of hydrogen where, for example, like deuterium has one neutron and tritium has two neutrons. So those are isotopes of hydrogen. And then there's the hydrogen that only has one proton, one electron. Can you remember me the, the name of what 
things are when they have different electrons. Same element, but different electrons. Uh, ions. Ions, that's right, that's right. Yeah, sorry. As soon as you said isotopes earlier, <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's the other one, though, whenever the electrons are different? That was a good question. And then yeah. I forgot. So, okay, ions. Got yeah, it. if it's positively charged, it's a cation, because cats have paws. Right. And if it's negatively charged, it's an anion, and I don't have a good way to remember that. Because ants don't have... The ants are negative. Right. <laughs> yeah. Most situations, we don't like them. I mean, but they probably delicately contribute, or carefully contribute to the delicate balanced ecosystem. That's true. I often wonder about like, what if we just, yeah, somebody asked once, what if we got rid of all mosquitoes for the podcast? Yeah, and yeah. I was like, probably something bad. Although I, I don't, I wish we could yeah. get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's why hydrogen is special is because it is just one proton and one electron. And that means if hydrogen loses its electron and becomes a cation, because mm -hmm. if you lost an electron, you're positive. That means it's just literally that the cation of hydrogen is just a proton floating around. Right. So the way I think of it is like most, most times, you know, you could think of atoms. Yeah. Like as having kind of a core and there's positive and neutral particles, subatomic particles there. And then surrounded by this cloud of electrons and the electrons can kind of do what they want, whatever. But, and then if you lose electrons, then you become positively charged. If you gain them, you become negatively charged, but the protons don't really move. Right. So the idea that instead of at the core, there being like several, you know, protons, really all that's happening in a hydrogen atom is it's like one proton with one electron hanging out around it. Right. And that's actually why the Bohr model of the atom works well only for hydrogen. <laughs> Because once more electrons come into play, it starts to get a lot more confusing. And yeah. Right. So, but that is, the Bohr model of the atom is actually good for hydrogen. So you can kind of picture that in your head of like, that's the one like on Big Bang Theory uh -huh. where they have like one thing in the center and then like a quote unquote electron circling around it on like those little tracks. Right, right. I haven't, I think I didn't talk about it. I haven't seen Big Bang Theory, but I know that classic like, yeah. image that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's like the classic image, I would say. So then hydrogen, you know, is, is just, when it loses its electron, it's just a little proton and nothing circling it. So that's kind of weird, you know? That is weird. And actually, there's a whole area of chemistry, of acid-based chemistry, that defines acids and bases around those protons, around those positively hard, charged hydrogens, which are basically just one single proton floating around. Interesting. And that is the most basic definition for an acid and a base that you probably did learn in high school chemistry. Mm. And it's that an acid is willing to give up a hydrogen plus a hydrogen cation, also known as just a proton. Okay. And a base is able to accept a proton. It's able to accept an H plus. Right. And that is the most sort of basic definition of acids and bases that we learn first before we learn any other definition of them. Okay. So, you know, in chemistry, an acid can give up a hydrogen, but that, that acid will usually keep the electrons, making it negative after it's given up the hydrogen. Okay. Unless it was positive to begin with, then it becomes neutral. It becomes more negative when it gives up its proton. It keeps the electrons. Okay. And a base will usually accept the proton. So it will have an excess of electrons, usually negative, but sometimes I guess it can be neutral. 
and it will accept that proton and become more positive or less negative. Right, right, right. Okay. This is always kind of interesting to me because I think for some reason, the way I think about acids and bases, Mm -hmm. this is counter what I would expect for some reason. Okay. I don't know why, but like I would assume that the acid is already negative, Mm. but it's actually the opposite. It's got this abundance of positivity, correct? That it really wants and needs some electrons to balance it out. Yes. It's ready to accept them. And for some reason, I always have to really stop and make myself think about that consciously. I bet it's because there's another definition that you also learned in high school chemistry called the Lewis acid and base definition. And it's like the Lewis acid is an electron acceptor. So I bet Got you it. mixed up the proton and electron and what's accepting and what's giving. Well, I don't even, and, I'm, I don't, and maybe I did learn that. I just forgot it. But there's something about the way I think about acids and like, <laughs> battery acid and things like that that makes you think oh it's probably like real negative and stuff you know probably because also it's caustic it's like burning stuff but bases are caustic too so yeah and you've helped yeah you've balanced that out and also i think it's just that most of us feel more familiar with acids than bases anyway so you know at least we think that but yeah isn't that weird i feel like people know what an acid is but people don't know what a base is yeah so like if i'm like oh that's really acidic you know that's scarier than being really basic kind of yeah yeah, I don't know. It's weird, but anyway. But bases are just as scary, people. <laughs> just so you know. It's helpful to have that rehashed because it's, like yes. I said, it's like it's counter what my brain wants to think for some reason. Yeah, acids are willing to give up a proton and they'll be okay once they've given up that hydrogen and kept its electrons behind. And bases are willing to accept the okay. proton. Got and I, I like to think of it as like, it's, it's not like you're an acid or you're not. It's really more like on a sliding scale, you know, like how willing are you to give up this proton? Right. Are you going to be okay once it's gone? Like it, it sort of has to do with like wealth and stability in my <laughs> mind. Like, are you able to give up $50 and it not really affect you because you have all these other like sources of income or whatever that'll keep you stable? If there's other places you can distribute the leftover electrons, you know, Mm -hmm. if you have these certain features of a molecule that will be able to support what's left over when the proton leaves, that makes it more acidic. Okay. And, and you can be really acidic where you're really willing to give up a hydrogen or a hydrogen cation or a proton where you'll be more stable once it's gone or all the way on the other end, you can be very basic where, you don't have a proton to give up, like losing a proton would make you so incredibly unstable. It's nearly impossible. So I, I kind of think of it on that scale. Okay. And it's like a willingness to give up or take. And there are weaker acids that, you know, they can, they can give it up, but maybe they'd prefer not to. And then there's stronger acids, which are like really willing to to get rid of their proton and same thing with bases. They're really willing to accept or less willing to accept. Okay. Okay. And you're probably like, what does all this have to do with smells? <laughs> <laughs> Cause, um, at the point that I was writing this, I forgot that that's even where we were going. <laughs> I was like <laughs> preparing this episode and thinking, wait, um, why am I talking about this? <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm not, I'm not getting the smells connection yet either, which <laughs> probably makes sense. It's probably not intuitive until you make it, Make the connection for me. Yeah, it's on its way. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so that's a little bit about what an atom is like, what acids and bases are, and 
um, I, I guess I talk about atoms and protons at, at the individual level, but molecules are collections of atoms that are willing to give up, you know, one of those hydrogens as a proton rather than like thinking of an atom giving up its proton. It doesn't do that. It gives it up in the form, a collection of atoms gives up a proton in the form of a hydrogen okay. plus cation is kind of how it's represented in chemistry. And is it possible for that to all happen and it be not hydrogen? Um, so that's where the different definition of acids come in okay. where it's like, something can accept electrons mm -hmm. and it have no hydrogens, but that's considered a type of acid. So it, it's missing electrons that it wants or can take on, but yeah. it's not really in the form of a hydrogen. Right. Right. So a really good example of that is, is like a pretty strong Lewis acid is called aluminum trichloride. Mm -hmm. And just the way that the molecule is, is the aluminum only has six electrons around it, but it wants eight. Mm. But technically it's all neutral. It just doesn't have the right number of electrons to fill that outer shell, which is a whole other episode and kind of down a rabbit hole. Got so it. this is confusing. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Um, but that type of acid wants electrons, but it's not producing a proton. If Got that it. makes sense. That makes sense. I think my question, the reason that was in my mind, I'm glad we at least touched on it for a second, was me thinking this is so specific to hydrogens, but I was like, surely there's a lot of yeah. situations where actually it's not hydrogen at play, but there's still an acid. Yes. And, but in this case, we're talking about hydrogen and this one. We're is talking more, about acids defined by hydrogens. Got it. Okay. And they're, because there's no other way to give up a proton because right. if you give up a proton, it would change the nature of the individual atom. Right. So when you're giving up protons, that's a hydrogen. Right. You're giving up a hydrogen minus atom its minus its electron. Yep. Yep. Okay. And that's the definition of an acid we're talking about today. So if that sidebar was confusing, that was a good question. So for other people wondering it, I'm glad we answered. But if that sidebar was confusing, you can ignore it because yeah. it was about <laughs> a different type of acid. <laughs> yeah. I think for me and maybe a couple of people, it's like the idea of thinking about acids specifically revolving around hydrogen only seems like, I don't know all the acids that are out there. But surely they're not all specifically revolving around hydrogen. Lewis agreed with you. That's why we have Lewis acid. Nice. Thank you, Lewis. I just, you know, <laughs> we just, we, we were on the same wavelength. Right. You know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you had to figure it out. I don't know how to figure it out, but you, <laughs> you had the same hypothesis that surely it's not all hydrogen. Surely. I actually don't know if Lewis, what his first name is. I think I'm assuming it's a person, but right. I should probably know that. <laughs> I'm not a, I don't have the history of chemistry just right in my head. Yeah. Okay, so back to our uh, smells and our baking soda. Okay. We have always said baking soda is a base. Mm -hmm. And baking soda is, um, it's got a, a positive charge sodium, but then it's also negatively charged. So if you, if you kind of think of separating out, you know how in salt you have like NaCl? Yes. Really it's Na plus and Cl minus, and they just hang out near each other because one's positive and one's negative. Okay. So similarly in baking soda, you have Na plus, like a positive sodium. That's mm -hmm. why it's baking soda. Got it. And then the other part of it is um, a hydrogen carbonate. So there's H and then CO3. Okay. And that is negatively charged. So that's why it has a sodium with it. Got it. So that's baking soda. And baking soda is kind of in a family. Okay. So think about just the CO3 unit. So we've talked about this a lot. This is a carbonate ion. Okay. 
So it's CO3 two minus. So it has two extra electrons. And sometimes we counterbalance those out the with a positively charged ion like sodium plus. Mm-hmm. And we just put two around there. Uh, sometimes it accepts a proton. So it can have one hydrogen and one sodium. Okay. And then that balances out the two negative charges. Or sometimes it has two hydrogens. Okay. So you have this... This unit, this carbonate unit that has two negative charges and it wants two positive charges. Okay. Okay. So sodium carbonate, the very basic one, CO3 two minus, usually has two sodiums around it. Okay. It's in a salt form. It's very basic. It reacts very strongly to get a proton. Okay. And when it does gain a proton, it now is called sodium bicarbonate or sodium hydrogen carbonate. Okay. So there's one sodium still counteracting the negative charge and one proton has been added to the molecule. Okay. That's baking soda. Okay. Okay. So the sodium, one of the sodium has been basically replaced by hydrogen. Okay. And then if you keep going and you add another hydrogen to it, now there's two hydrogens around this like kind of core CO3 unit. And it's now neutral, and it's called carbonic acid. Right, and that is in our sodas. Yep, that's right. That's in our sodas. That's one of the like the episodes that we have done that has come up in conversation a ton. Ah, uh, yes. So that one's at least some of that is it fresh. Yeah, okay. and it very quickly will break down into water and carbon dioxide because it's not really a happy molecule. Right. Um, And that's actually why it's called acid. It's neutral, but it's willing to give up a proton because it's not the happiest acid. Got it. Okay. You know, it's like, it'll quickly break down. It basically won't stay uh, carbonic acid as long as possible. It's (laughs) like, as quickly as I can, I won't be carbonic acid anymore. Okay. Got it. Okay. So that's kind of like, if you want to think of it as stair steps or a family, the CO3 two minus HCO3 with one minus, and then H2CO3 neutral. Okay. So they kind of are in increasing stair steps. Okay. The one in the middle, that's baking soda. Okay. Okay. If it gains a proton, it becomes carbonic acid. Okay. Which then breaks down into CO2 and water, and that's why it will react with an acid to make the volcano. Right, right. And that's why it will react with an acid to make the volcano. Right, right. It just does the all the bubbles. Okay. But it can also lose an ele- uh <laughs> but it can also lose a proton and go down on the stair steps. Oh right. And become even more basic. And become even more basic and become that CO three two minus. It goes from having one hydrogen or one proton to having none. Okay. And we don't talk about that aspect of baking soda very often. Right. Because, and for a good reason. Because it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> for a good reason, yes. Because We're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> it's just, it just usually doesn't do that because you're, it's interacting with acids a lot more in our day-to-day life. Right. So we don't spend a lot of time seeing baking soda act as an acid. It would have to be paired with an even stronger base for it to act as an acid and give up that hydrogen that it's just one. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Okay. So if you put baking soda with an acid, it acts as a base. 
and it will take that extra proton from the acid. Got it. But if you put baking soda with a stronger base, Mm -hmm. it will act as an acid and give up its extra proton and go back to having no protons. Got it. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like it has no protons and then it has one and then it has two and baking soda is just in the middle with one. So it can add one or subtract one. It can go up a step or down a step. And as it is right now in its state before you've added anything to it, it's content to stay in the place it's in. But as soon as you introduce other things to it, either an acid or a stronger base, it will go one direction or the other Yes. to interact with whatever it's being presented with. Yeah, so, and so it's to content to be in the state it's in because there's a sodium ion near it Got that's it. also hanging out. Got it. Has anyone made a joke in chemistry about baking soda being base and calling it basing soda or something <laughs> like that? It's like not really a pun, but it could kind of help you remember it. Um, no, I, I mean, not that I know of. Okay. But I will say that those, the like sodium that's just like by it, that's just like helping it out Uh is called a spectator ion. Like it doesn't really participate in much that's happening and it it will eventually find another ion that's oppositely charged it and everything will kind of even out. And so it's just like a spectator. It's not really involved. Interesting. I know. It just hangs out. I also think that sodium bicarbonate is a really confusing name because it's only one Sodium. Okay, right. So I don't know why there's a buy there. I bet somebody would be able to tell me. I'm like, I don't know why it's called sodium bicarbonate. And the one with two sodiums has is just called sodium carbonate. That's a confusing thing in chemistry that has always bothered me. Yeah, weird. I'm sure there's a good reason, but I can't think of it right now. And if it's confusing to a chemist... Can you, you guys got, can you imagine how confused I am? Well, to be fair, it's been confusing to me since I was in high school. I remember first learning this and being uh-huh. like, this makes me mad. And I've never satisfactorily found a way to reverse the anger, which right. means it's persisted. Is the by referring to anything else? There's a two something else specifically that there's not two of in the other one. That's so I strange. Don't think so. Cause it's just one hydrogen and one carbonate unit. Maybe, maybe. That's so weird. Maybe. Man. Man. I should Come probably on. know, but just for the record, I teach organic chemistry. I don't teach general or inorganic chemistry. So um, honestly, sodium bicarbonate does not come up a lot. Right. Any sodium carbonates don't come up a lot. Anyway, back to the back to the main event. Yes. <laughs> this is a little side <laughs> a side of a side um what are those called? A side tangent. Yeah. Side quest. Right. okay so you're probably still wondering yeah what does this have to do with smells yeah are our smells basic or all our smells acidic it's like what's the deal here what's going on with these smells well often when foods begin to spoil they do emit volatile organic compounds right which are either acidic or basic okay there are both. And for reference, I looked up cigarette smoke, if that was acidic or basic, and it depends on the way that tobacco is cured. Huh. Fascinating, right? Yeah, it's weird that it would be that different. Mm-hmm. Huh. So what baking soda does is it can react with the acids and then change them into literally into something else that isn't as smelly, mm-hmm. or it can react with strong bases that are stronger bases than itself that are going to steal its proton that it has. Right. And make them less smelly than they were before. Right. It literally can do both. And that property of being considered acid or base mm-hmm. 
or like being able to act differently in different situations is called amphoteric. Amphoteric. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And so baking soda, because it's amphoteric, it can literally neutralize. It doesn't really trap as far as I know, like on the episode we did with odor eliminators. Oh, right, right. Where it literally is trapping those molecules. It doesn't trap them. It neutralizes them by literally reacting with them. Got it. If they're acidic, it acts as a base. If they're basic, it acts as an acid and fundamentally changes that molecule so that it no longer has those really acrid smells. Got it. And that's how baking soda acts as an odor eliminator. Wow, interesting. I'm guessing there are probably some smells that like you could you could react with them and you know, take some electrons away or or add some or whatever. There may still be a smell, yeah. but it's probably going to make a difference of some sort. Right. And it also has to come, if you think about it at the molecular level. So like imagine being a tiny person inside your fridge. Uh-huh. But don't actually get inside your fridge because you could suffocate because it's an airtight. Right, right, right. Okay. So so, be a tiny person, but don't get in my fridge. Yeah. Especially if there's kids listening that my mom used to really freak me out about that. Oh, yeah. I remember my mom too because there were so many stories when I was a kid of like that happening. Yeah. Especially they would like in like a junkyard and stuff. Kids would go play right. in like abandoned. Yeah. Like somebody just tossed their refrigerator out. Yeah. So um, if there's kids listening, don't do that. But. Right. Imagine yourself as a tiny person inside your fridge. It's an enclosed space. And if you could see the molecules in the air, they're really, really tiny, but they're all just moving around in there. Mm-hmm. And in order for the reaction to happen, the volatile organic compound literally has to come into contact with the baking soda. And so that's not happening just all the time. Right. So there may still be a little bit of a smell, but it is likely still neutralizing. So I would think it would work best actually if you had it like in a shallow dish on several shelves, mm. but is it practical to have a bunch of open shelves of baking powder? Probably not. Probably not. But so that that's part of it is the, there may be smells that, that interact with it and stay a little bit smelly or maybe not all the molecules are going to come into contact with the baking soda. Right. But what it does come into contact with, it should neutralize. Okay. 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 I think I get it. All right. Do you want to take a stab at it? Yes. I, I think the hardest part for me is going to be the structure, which I'm guessing you don't really need me to say all that back, but the remembering the different, that molecular structure and how it can change. That's so hard for me. Okay. Let me help you. And I also thought there's like very rare times. If you're a listener out there, I don't ever take notes in this Oh yeah. Uh, show. That was one of those times where like that, ha- that happens every, you know, every so often I'm like, Ooh man, Taking some notes would super help just in this scenario where I'm just listening audibly only and no visual or or trying to create my own visual while we're going, you know, which is kind of challenging. I think I have a way that I can help you. Okay. Do you want me to give it to you? Yes. Okay. So you can imagine the carbonate, the CO3 with two negative charges, like a Mickey Mouse head. Okay. So imagine a Mickey Mouse head and it's got its two little ears. And if you took those ears each off. Mm Mm-hmm and it left behind a negative charge, it would want a positive charge or like it would, yeah, want a positive charge to come back and neutralize it. Okay. So it wants its Mickey Mouse ears back. Right. So sodium carbonate has no Mickey Mouse ears. CO3, two minus. Baking soda in the middle has one ear. Okay. 
and then the carbonic acid has both ears. It's Got actually it. not very stable in that form either. But right, right. <laughs> so, so the one with only one Mickey Mouse ear can either go up in and have both of its ears, or it could go down and have neither of its ears and just be a circle. Okay. Does that help? Yes, kind of. It's like it. It's missing two things. Yeah. And it wants, it will eventually gain both of them. But while it's in that intermediate state, it could gain one or lose one. Got it. Got it. If, if a bigger bully, if someone who's stronger comes along is like, that's my Mickey Mouse ear and I'm missing one too. It'll just rip it right off. Yeah. But it, but if someone that, that the Mickey Mouse original guy could bully comes along, he's like, now I'm going to get my second Mickey Mouse ear. It's just a bunch of violent bullies in yeah. the acid-based <laughs> community. <laughs> that, yeah, it's intense in there. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's my very brief analogy. I want to hear you explain it back because I do think okay. this is an ab. This is one of the most abstract concepts we've done. I remember feeling that way when we first talked about baking soda. Yeah, and so we're revisiting it now. Maybe I'm better four years down the line. <laughs> Here's one thing that's kind of that's come to my mind a little bit that might help at least me understand, um, even if it's not a better analogy than what you already did, but. It's just what if you're somebody and you have one shoe. Okay. <laughs> and you don't really need one shoe, right? So honestly, if you got the one shoe, you're you're okay to sell it. You're down to sell the shoe. I was thinking about this because I was looking at um, secondhand clothes the other day online. <laughs> and there actually are times where you'll find just one shoe for sale. Mm -hmm. I saw it actually several times. Usually it's because somebody only needed one because they um, had to buy one for their prosthetic. Oh, yeah, like yeah. That. Uh, or for their foot that doesn't wear the, that isn't prosthetic. Yeah. Anyway, long story. But um, so you got the one shoe. You don't need one shoe, most yeah. of us. So you're willing to part with it and sell yeah. it. Or if somebody came along and actually have the other shoe. Yeah. You, then, then your situation changes and you're actually willing to take on that other shoe. Yep. But as it is with just the one shoe you kind of would rather have not the shoe mm -hmm. at all or yep. both. Yep. And so baking soda finds itself in the place with the structure that it has of being of one shoe. Mm -hmm. And if an acid mm -hmm. comes along, mm -hmm. it's willing to give up the shoe in that case uh close dang it acids i knew i was gonna get mixed up on that <laughs> acids give give the protons give so the acids protons. give the shoes okay okay right right because the proton is changing hands here yes so it the hydrogen that doesn't have an electron is moving from one place to another yep so it's taking on the shoe uh-huh it interacts with an acid yes and if it interacts with a base that's stronger uh -huh. than it then it gives up the yep. shoe. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, <laughs> in, the, in the case of, this is a perfect situation in the case of smells and odors mm -hmm. because they can, they can be either acidic mm -hmm. or basic depending on the odor and smell, yeah. the volatile organic compounds. And so then it's great that baking soda can go either direction with yeah. its shoe situation. It probably doesn't cover all odors perfectly, mm -hmm. but it makes it much more versatile than 
maybe just any other old vase yes that you could you could find up in your fridge that's a really good analogy i'm going to expand on it a little okay because i feel like there's some subtleties that didn't quite get captured and this is a good analogy to do it okay i think that if you have one shoe um in the case of baking soda it would rather have two than have none okay. so it it does more easily accept a shoe than give up that shoe so maybe it's outside and it's you know, in the summer in Texas, it's yeah. pretty hot on the right. concrete. So maybe it's like, it would be better if I had two shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if, if a stronger base comes along, like a bully, he's like, fine, man, take my other shoe. It's not that yeah. big of a deal. I'll just walk in the grass. Yep. Yeah. But really, I don't he, want any trouble. Here's the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But really, you know, you'd rather have two shoes in the summer in Texas. Right. And even in any scenario, if you're actually, if the other option is zero shoes, you probably would always prefer. Yeah. Two shoes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, but it is okay with one shoe and I can't figure out a good reason in the analogy that we're fine with one shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he has fashioned some sort of yeah. shoe out of sodium, a salt shoe. <laughs> or like, I think if I had just one shoe, I think I'd kind of be like, I'm just not, I'm not going to just throw this away. Right. Yeah. It, it's perfectly a good shoe. Yeah. I'm not going to throw it away. I'm just, I'll hang on to it. And maybe I'll find. If I find somebody who needs this other shoe, great. Cool. Mm-hmm. But if I find the other shoe that be matches better. this one, best scenario. Yeah. I think it is kind of like that. Perfectly good shoe. I love the shoe. Yeah. Love it. Okay. And there is a way that you can, you can just put baking soda on, um, like on a baking sheet and bake it at 400 degrees uh-huh. and it will react with itself to make the no shoes situation. It'll huh. make sodium carbonates. Interesting. Yeah. If you give it enough heat. So it like really needs energy to get to that. Yeah. It doesn't want that. Yeah. Um, but so I thought that was a very little interesting thing. And I hadn't really thought about why we put baking soda in our fridge until today. Yeah. Interesting. So that was a fun little trip down. Why do we do this lane? Um, speaking of fun trips, I'm going to usurp you, and instead of asking you a question first, I'm going to say that I took a fun trip this weekend. You did, and it's okay for you to usurp because I'm not in a position of any sort of power or dominion <laughs> over the situation, and I welcome your um, your sharing of your story of your trip. Okay, so this is transitioning into our happy time. I took a trip this weekend um, with it was me and my husband and two of our friends, and we went to Mexico City. And then we uh, traveled from Mexico City. We did a day trip and saw the monarch butterfly migration. Nice. And it was insane. It was so cool. I really appreciated it. And my friend, oh, y'all know my friend because she's come on the show. Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, guest expert, Vianette. She is originally from Mexico. And so she was sharing about her culture. And it was so fun to get to participate in in her culture and to be in a different country. And it was only a two and a half hour plane ride, which is less time than it takes to drive to most places in Texas. Yeah, so. yeah, 100%. <laughs> and the food was delicious. It was so fun. And so I had a really good trip this weekend and that's my fun thing. That's awesome. I also am going to break the rules and say another fun thing. Okay. Just because we'll see. Just because I want to. Go ahead and say it. And then if I don't like it, I'll just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, then, that's true. You really do have all the power in this situation. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm like, add that back in. He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no recourse to add it back. I really could make you sound 
horrible. Yeah. And I could make in wrong and dumb. Yep. I could make all your signs not make any sense. Yeah. I really wanted to. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's true. You really could. But sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, so also, uh, a little bit of exciting news today. My paper that I wrote in a peer reviewed journal, um, during my dissertation work or during my PhD was officially published. Yes. And it was published in the Royal Society of Chemistry magazine, Chemistry Education Research and Practice. And they have worked with us as uh, sponsors for the show before. That's and right. they have other really good podcast called Chemistry World, where it kind of goes in depth on different molecules. So that was fun and cool and a great connection. That is awesome. Dang it. Both those things are super cool. Yeah. Sorry. It's I was okay. like, I can't pick one. So I'm just going to give both. That's totally fine. <laughs> and also I, our friends with the UNC, the Monarch Butterflies with, mm-hmm. they've gone many times, every time, always amazing pictures, amazing, amazing videos, all kind of stuff. So I'm jealous you got to do that. I'm never going to forgive you. Um, That's and- okay. Once <laughs> your kids get older, I feel like that would be a doable trip with kids actually. Oh, totally. And be really, really cool. Yeah. I mean that two and a half hour plane ride sounds like Amazing. I mean, it sounds... The hardest part is it's it was a three-hour drive to the... Right. To the sanctuary where the butterflies are, but you can get, like, a charter bus. Right. And then, you know, kids think buses are cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that would be a doable trip with kids. Yeah. And... Noted. That's a good point. It's amazing. And then I'll forgive you once I've been there and I've seen it. It's okay. You don't... Yeah, you can hold that grudge against me. It was way worth it. (laughs) Okay, mine is a lot less cool than both your things. So we <laughs> knew that going in. We knew that after you said yeah, yours. Yeah, maybe I should have let you go first so I didn't, you know. It's okay. I mean, your, yours were more exciting, and so you wanted to get them out and make yeah, more sense. it was so hard to hold them in. <laughs> so mine is simply that. Uh, I think I talked, maybe, I want to say I talked on the podcast, I want to share one of these, that I started baking some banana muffins yes. again, banana uh-huh. bread muffins. Yes. Recently. And um, I was supposed to send you the blueberry muffin recipe and I never did. Yep. And another reason, just add that to the pile of things grudges <laughs> to hold against you. Um, it's rude. <laughs> so send that to me. But what I did do the day I was just curious, um, I was like, I wonder if I could, if I have all the things to make chocolate chip cookies from scratch, which I've never done before. Mm. I know You've it's- You've never done before? No. And I know it's not that hard, but I just, I'd never- been curious enough. Listen, I'm not going to shame you for it. I'm just saying that's exciting that you've, you're yeah. you're talking about doing something you've never done before. That's like mm-hmm. not every day. I know. And I found an recipe that was the easiest one. It was even called like the easiest chocolate chip recipe ever. Chocolate cookie recipe, I feel recipe like ever. The Nestle one is a go to. So I looked at it and it was all easy. Didn't need to have a mixer. I don't know what the what the v- variety of different recipes for chocolate chip cookies are, but this yeah. one was super simple. Nice. And I did it so fast and didn't even tell him what I was doing. And just like went over there. I think we're watching a show and I like whipped this up together super quickly. <laughs> Probably the longest thing that took was just melting some butter. Uh-huh. But that was it. And then threw it in, didn't tell her M love surprises. So I even small things like this, like to make surprises. And then yeah. I just pulled out this cast iron chocolate, chocolate cookie uh, thing nice. that I'd made from scratch. And she was like, I didn't think we had any cookie dough. I was like, I know. I just made it. Oh my gosh. Was she so excited? Yes, she was. And it was quite good. So did you eat it with some ice cream? Oh yeah. hundred nice. percent. So I love that. That was really fun. And I was like, okay, I'm not a huge, I've always said I'm not like huge into baking. I like cooking more than I like baking. Yeah. But you know, this is just the toe in the water thing. Yeah. The muffins are the mm-hmm. gateway into like, oh wait, what about chocolate chip cookies? What about this? What about yeah. that? And here I am 
making stuff like that and looking for excuses to bake other things. Yeah. So who am I? You know? Who are you? That's exciting. I think that's more exciting for me than you realize. <laughs> I'm really excited about that. I also recently made chocolate chip cookies for a party, like a like a girls' weekend I was going on. Uh-huh. And I made them from scratch, which normally I just get the Nestle cookie dough because it's so easy. But I made some because it was cheaper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because eggs are, even, even with eggs being expensive, everything has gotten more totally. expensive. And it was actually really surprisingly quick. And yeah. I thought, why don't I do this more often? Totally. And I've been replacing the eggs because my son is allergic to eggs, even though actually most things that are cooked really well, it doesn't yeah. actually matter if it affect him. Yeah. Like baked goods. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's not a problem, but eggs being expensive. I've been using applesauce instead. Oh yeah. I've heard that's good. And on topic actually, I found an article that talked about how applesauce changes the consistency just a little bit and it makes it more dense. And so they say to add a little bit of baking powder. Just a little extra to, yeah. to lighten it up. Lighten it up a little bit so it can kind of create a little bit more air pockets oh. than what the, I guess, what What's egg. naturally in there. Yeah, yeah. And what egg, what you'd need if you just did egg instead of applesauce. Yeah, that makes sense. So anyway, that's been some chemistry at play there. How fun. In the baking. Obviously, there's tons of chemistry at play, but you know. Well, that's a good one. Thanks, Jam. Thanks for telling me your baking hacks. I will always go baking. And I'm so excited that you're finally getting into the world of baking with me. Me too. It was a matter of time. I already sent you the blueberry recipe, so you can do that. Excellent. And thanks to all of you listeners. And a special thanks to listener Katie Jordan, who asked me about baking soda today, which kind of got my mind going down this path. So she didn't ask the question specifically, but just asked a different chemistry question that got the wheels turning. So thanks, Katie. Thanks, Jam. Thanks, all of our listeners for learning about about the chemistry of baking soda. And thank you for teaching us. And if you have questions or ideas, things you wonder about if they're chemistry in your everyday life, please reach out to us on our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chem, F-O-R, yourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the costs of making it, go to patreon.com slash chem for your life or type the link in our show notes to join our super cool community of patrons. If you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing on our favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. Jam Robinson is our producer, and this episode was made possible by our financial supporters over on Patreon. It means so much to us that you want to help make chemistry accessible to even more people. Those supporters are Avishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne S, Sam N, Stephen B, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thanks again for everything you do to make Chemistry for Your Life happen. And we'd also like to give a special thanks to our team of reviewers who reviewed this episode. And if you'd like to learn more about today's chemistry lesson, check out the references for this episode in our show notes or on our website. Mm-hmm.